looking very, very relaxed, which is always a good start to uh, one of our chats. Uh, joining us uh, this morning is uh, one of Surrey's finest, Mr. Ricky Clark. Ricky, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Um, I suppose normally at this time of year, when you're a professional cricketer, it is kind of feet up time. And, uh, you know, you, are, you sort of uh, recover from a long season before thinking about getting on the bike and doing winter training and all the rest of it. But uh, I guess that's no longer a factor in your life, is it? No, it's actually quite nice. Um, I've got my feet up at, at the moment as well. Uh, so, yeah, normally I think over the years we've sort of gone back early November as a squad with, with Surrey and, and stuff. So, yeah, come November time, I'll be seeing the lads going in and all the Instagrams and stuff of their training. Um, and I'll be, yeah, feet up and just relaxing with a cup of tea in my hand. <laughs> was there anyone that was uh, really... Who were the keenest ones to get back into training? I know that uh, some players dread it, but others are super keen. Who are the ones in your experience that really love all that kind of stuff? Oh, there's been a few over the years. Uh, Scott Borfick, when he was at Surrey, um, he was always keen. So, you know, a lot of the time you see lads just rocking up early November, having had, had their feet up and stuff, where literally the first week of October, you, you see Scott Borthwick going out for a run or in the gym and stuff and really looking after himself. Uh, Mark Stoneman was similar. I've got a few guys, really. I think, you know, sort of younger generation are used to it and, and, and ticking over. But when I first started, it was rock up 1st of April, played a couple of games of football and away you go. So over the years, it's uh, definitely changed. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because... <clears throat> Over your career, the game has changed a hell of a lot. And I think people's lifestyles in general, away from cricket and sport, um, I mean, certainly when I was young, um, going to the gym wasn't really a, a, a massive thing. <clears throat> and certainly not being careful about what, what you ate. And like you say, you, you turn up in uh, in April, do a couple of laps of the pitch, um, maybe see if you can touch your toes and then off you went. But uh, very different these days. And the youngsters, like you say, different. It is massively different. Um, it's definitely over the years, I'd say, got more professional. Um, as I said, you know, 1st of April, we were rocking up and uh, it was actually a couple of laps of the um, Kenton um, AstroTurf. <laughs> uh, if, you, if it was raining, a few games of football on there. Um, you'd come in, have a few nets, um, indoors or outdoors, depending on the weather. And it, it literally was two, three weeks later, away you go. Now, obviously, uh, guys are in November, training up until Christmas, have Christmas off, and then training after that. Um, and then after games during the summer, you know, you're, you're stuck with a protein shake in, in your face rather than a, a nice cold beer. <laughs> Has that influenced your decision? I mean, there's a few guys that have retired this year, and obviously there's a few guys retire every year, but um, I was going to ask later on maybe about, you know, whether COVID has, has made uh, a bit of a decision for you um but is it just a case of do you know what i don't want to do all that anymore i just i want to i like playing cricket but i can't be bothered with the rest of it yeah it's i think the, the cricket side of it not a problem if you ask me to run in and bowl stand at slip uh do all the fielding the batting the cricket element of it not a problem i think it's just you know i had an opportunity to go into a new job um at a school and i just felt that with my age, I wasn't going to be signing a two, three-year deal. And I was always going to be on that sort of uh, treadmill of it's just a year, just a year, just a year. Could I have gone till, say, a Darren Stevens age 45, 46? Probably not. Could I have gone another couple couple of years? Definitely. 
But I just felt that there was an opportunity for me to make that transition with a job ready and waiting. Um, and I didn't want to say go another year and then say next October, the eyes are gone or the body shut down or form, you know, fails you. And then you're, you're looking at something else to go into when you had a, a perfect job there ready and waiting. They say, don't they? It's, all, it's always better to retire when people are saying, why is he retiring rather than why isn't he retiring? Yeah, I think that's quite a nice sort of thing. Like the messages are like everyone keeps on saying one more year, one more year and stuff like that. Um, so it's quite nice from, from that that sense of things. Um, but I feel that this is the right time. And uh, yeah, as we said before, come November, I'll be uh, feet up and not on a treadmill. Are you straight into this new job with, uh, with term starting again? Yeah, so um, it's actually worked out quite nicely. Uh, I spoke to the school. I'm going to be starting on Monday. Um, sort of ease myself in for a week and then a couple of weeks off a half term. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've sort of uh, planned it quite nicely and they're, they're quite happy with that as well. well. So let's wind it back. You were prominent in cricket from a very young age. Was it nine years old? You were you were um, part of the Surrey setup. Yeah, so um, it all sort of started uh, a local club called Godalming. Um, I, you know, been playing under 16s, under 17s, third 11s, that sort of stuff from a very young age. And they put me forward for a Nest Cafe course, which was sponsored, um, which sponsored the, the the Surrey sort of youth setup at the time. Went on a 10 week course, managed to get a player of that course, and that got you a Surrey trial at under nine. Um, and then basically from there, under nine, all the way up till obviously signing my, my professional contract. So from a very early age. And it was like a sort of a rocket-like uh, trajectory as well, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't just Surrey. Before you knew it, you were pulling on the England shirt as well. Yeah, it was. Um, I think at the time I'd only played something like nine first-class matches, um, a handful of list A. Um, and then next thing you know, I think the end of 2002 season, I was on a plane to Sri Lanka for the ICC Champions Trophy with the likes of Alex Stewart, Nasra Sain, Nick Knight, you know, walking in the hotel and you had Ricky Ponting and Sachin Tendulkar and Shane Warne. And I was like, <laughs> what am I doing here? Sort of thing. <laughs> um, so it, it was obviously a, a massive sort of rise. Um, did it come too soon, people ask? Probably a little bit. Um, didn't really know my game, didn't really <clears> understand <throat> my game. Um, I was just that sort of young, fresh, fresh face and, uh, you know, when you're young, you have no sort of fear of failure. You just go out and play. And um, next thing you know, I found myself, as I said, on that plane. I saw you uh, an interview you did uh, recently where you were talking about that period of your life. And you were just talking about um, the impact that different coaches were having on what you were doing and, and trying to affect your style. Um, and I still see that quite a lot, particularly my son who plays with different teams and he's getting different advice on how a bowl or you know run-ups etc etc um that that seemed to be the case with you at that, that time of your life as well was it oh massively I think from that age I had obviously a batting coach and a bowling coach and a head coach at Surrey um I then I was part of the England Academy where I had a batting coach bowling coach and a sort of head coach in Rob Marsh then you go up to England and you got a batting coach bowling coach <laughs> you had so many different coaches and I think what's Good a little bit, I think, as time has, has gone on during my career, the coaches actually talk a lot more now. You know, what are you working on with him? What are you looking to do? You know, what what technique do you want him with the bat? You know, what all these sort of things of um, trying to get someone better. So they talk a lot more now. Back then they didn't. So I was 
sort of like if we talk about my bowling, I had a certain run up and action, then that would be going well. Then I'd go to another sort of camp with the with the uh, academy and it'd be like, oh, you look a little bit short there, try and lengthen out your arms a little bit more and try and have this sort of run up and, you know, be flatter through the crease when I've been trying to get high in, in the crease. So it was always sort of like difficult because the one thing you want to do when you're young is you want to learn and you want to listen. Um, if you don't listen, you then get that sort of tag of, oh, he thinks he knows it all, this young, so he's not willing to learn. So you, you almost sort of listen and do the things that the coaches want you to do but sometimes it's detriment to what is actually your game. And I think over the years, I've sort of learned that you have a certain way of batting, a certain way of bowling, stick to it, just make it better. Just make it better. And that's that's how hopefully, you know, when I go into coaching and, and my school job, I'm going to see that everyone's different and everyone's unique, but how can you have their styles and make it better rather than changing them completely? I think also... Uh youngsters teenagers also <clears throat> in my experience seem to be quite sensitive to criticism and um and how they're being coached i think that needs to be factored in as well oh massively yeah you know you see it now it's just one of those things where you've got to be careful with how how you talk to people nowadays and and stuff and it's basically just getting across what you want to get across but what works for them as well and what they're happy with i've always been a big believer that sometimes try stuff and if it doesn't work, then you can bin it. But you can't bin it before you tried it because there might be something there that actually works for your game. All you've got to do is show them a video of Jasper Bumrah running into bowl surely. <laughs> you know, it's different styles for everyone. But this is the thing, you know, I'm a big believer um, that over the years, you know, in, in English cricket, we wouldn't have had a Malinga. We wouldn't have had yeah. a, a Lara or um, a Chandapur or a Bumrah. You know, Rory Burns. Rory Burns, he, he sort of, that, that's a good thing with, with Burnsy though, because he sort of looked at it and goes, you know what, this is how I bat, this works for me. Over the years of getting into England side, I think he went a thousand runs in first class cricket four years in a row. Um, and that's the thing, I think what, what's been good there is he's had a method and he stuck to it because he knows that it works for him. Um, but I think over the years, we would never have had, you know, the likes of, of, of the guys I've mentioned come through because they would have probably been coached out of it. Yeah. Is it still fun playing cricket? Yeah. Yeah, love it. Um, well, wasn't too much fun on my uh, last game when you're in the field for 177 overs on. <laughs> yeah. An absolute flat Bit of a road. Played on. Yeah. <laughs> Did you made your decision by then? <clears throat> yes, I had. And I, I think yeah. it just sort of, uh, confirmed that my decision was the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any... Um, particular standout moments that when you, you know you sat here in your chair and looking back uh, are there any particular moments that stand out I think always um, my debut in first class cricket for Surrey is always going to be there my England debuts um, and, and the trophies you win uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be part of sides that have won trophies over the years um, the photos you get from those memories uh, the, the players that you play with and against um, that's all going to be sort of very special for me going forward and, and something that I hope I can show the grandkids. Now, you're uh, on the back of a testimonial year. Have, have you still got any events planned um, or, or are we still sort of at the, the back end of it? No, so we've still got some events planned. Um, 
I think we've got a, a big one um, on the 9th of December, which is going to be our Christmas uh, bash, which um, is going to be at the Oval. So we're looking forward to that. And then a few um, other little events in, in between there as well. You got any big names coming along or uh, any uh, any star attractions? Um, potentially, but can't sort of say that. At, I'm at with you. <laughs> what's, what's your What's your benefit website? We can put it across there that we can tell our listeners and viewers what it is. Yeah, so it's clarkey2021.co.uk. Brilliant. I mean, I know they are a lot of hard work um, and uh, it's not as easy as a lot of people think. Uh, are you supporting any charities with your uh, with your testimonial? Yes, yeah, so Q Leukemia and the Professional Cricketers Trust, um, when I was at Warwickshire, managed to get to Queen Elizabeth Hospital quite a lot, um, where Dr Charlie Craddock does some amazing research and work with the leukemia patients there. So used to go up to the hospital and, and see the patients and just sit and uh, listen to them and, and have a good old chat and, and just be um, a support network really for them. Um, during what is uh, obviously a terrible time for them with, with the, the blood cancer. And then the Professional Cricketers Trust is basically for cricketers past and present that fall on hard times um, and then hopefully raising some decent funds there to, to help uh, cricketers past and present um, in, the, in their hour of need. Are you going to be turning out for the PCA Masters at all? Hopefully, yeah. I've had um, a couple of offers already. Um, but unfortunately, during the season, um, sort of with how COVID was at the time, it was one of those sort of difficult things to be allowed to just slide off and, and play a game there. Um, but definitely in the future, hopefully uh, I can get involved and, and play for them. Just have all, hopefully we'll see you at Brentwood in the uh, end of July. So maybe school will have broken up by then and you can you can come down. Oh, to well, I was originally born in Essex, so I've got all family down there. So I could kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we had one of your old Warwickshire muckers on last week, someone else that's announced uh, their retirement, and Varun Chopra, um, who was with you at Warwickshire. Yep, absolute hero of a guy. Um, <laughs> uh, he was at first slip, I was at second slip, uh, captained me uh, for a period of time as well. Uh, I think during 2014 when Jim Trout was injured, um, but really close mate of mine whenever we were playing Essex or... Um, he was up at, at the Oval. We'd, we'd regularly go out for dinner and that. So, um, yeah, I wish him all the best in his retirement because serious, serious player. One of the best players, in my opinion, that I've ever seen play the short ball. Wow. So, every time we used to do the team meetings and it would come up with right, right Chopra, I used to say to people, whatever you do, don't bowl short. Um, <laughs> so, he sort of knew that there was going to be no short ball, so we'd be targeting his pads. <laughs> <laughs> You don't mind playing against Essex. So I remember that uh, game uh, 2018 where you, was it eight wickets you picked up in that match in the, in the championship winning year for, for Surrey? Oh, down at Chelmsford, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I've got to speak to Burnsy about that because uh, I had four and he pulled me off and then I had four the next day and he pulled me off again. I was like, you yeah. <laughs> know, you're going to try and get five for here or? <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, I remember that. I've always enjoyed sort of going down to Essex. Um, not so much in the T20, quite a hostile atmosphere, but oh, yeah. it was yeah. uh, all, all fun and games and enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and this academy that you've got going now as well, tell us about that. Yeah, so basically um, when I got contacted by the school about, about the job there, um, they sort of gave me the idea of, you know, why wouldn't you set up your own sort of cricket academy and you can run it through the school? And I was like, that's a pretty good idea, actually. <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I grabbed it off the director of sport there and um, set it up during lockdown, really. Um, was it about a year or so ago? Um, it's just a case of um, setting it up to basically give back to the game, uh, boys and girls, uh, one-to-ones, um, summer camps, half-term camps. And we've just launched our elite academy as well uh, for the boys and girls that really want to sort of push for those sort of county trials in their age group. So we're three weeks into that at this moment in time. Just had one last night. The first one I could actually go to last night, um, obviously because other commitments. Um, and we've got some very talented cricketers um, on that. So it's all very exciting. Red Bull cricket's massively under the microscope at the moment. And um, we're still waiting as we speak to hear about whether the Ashes is going to go ahead or not. And um, what's, if it does, what strength squad we're going to send. Uh, and looking at how England have been over the summer, there's been this huge debate about uh, county cricket being marginalised and it's, it's hurting England. You got any thoughts on on, on that or, or the, the strength of the, the Red Bull game? I think it's difficult. I've always been a big believer that you have to have Red Bull county cricket as strong as it can be. Um, and I think that is where wickets need to be, Not obviously not as flat as at the last game at Noble, <laughs> but... They need to be sort of close to what you get at, at test level. So the bowlers understand what they need to do and they can't just run in on a green seamer and, and, and get wickets. The batters then have to bat long periods of time um, and not feel they have to throw their hands at stuff because one's got their their name on it. And then also bringing spin into to play towards the, the back end of games as well. So I find it quite difficult because the paying customer and the member and the supporter wants to see as much cricket as possible. I'm a big believer that actually if you've got sort of potentially less games, um, you're going to have a better quality of cricket. You've got sides playing for something a lot more. Um, just looking at the, the, obviously the three divisions this year, if you look at division one, I think there was four sides that could have won it. Uh, you know, that that's a sort of standard of cricket and um, entertainment that you want where all guys and all sides are, are fighting for something. I think over the years we've seen, particularly in Division 2, if you've lost, lost your first couple and there's a couple of sides running away with it, the other sort of seven, six sides are just not really playing for anything. So what they do is they gear up for their, their one-day competition and trying to win a trophy there, which is totally understandable because they know they can't get promotion into Division 1. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what format they go in the future. But I do think you've got to keep as many games competitive as possible. And also the fact as well that, you know, I hear a lot, there's no pace in county cricket. I promise you there is. But sometimes it's difficult if you're asking someone to run in and bowl 90 miles an hour plus on a Thursday and he has Friday, Saturday off. And then on the Sunday, he's bowling again because the games come, come so thick and fast. It's going to be quite difficult to to back it up constantly and, and bowl that sort of pace. So I think you've got to give the, the the county cricketers a lot of time to rest and recover and also train and, and prepare well. What did you learn personally um, stepping up from county to international level? What was for you the, 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 the biggest eye-openers? I think it's just the case of you, your margin for error is so much smaller with the ball. Um, you, you basically can't miss because batters will will punish you um and then with the bat you hardly get any balls you know two pounds on um very rarely do you get bad balls um and that's sort of continuous you know during county uh cricket 
there'd always be, okay, if we get through this spell of these two, you know, <clears throat> there might be someone else coming on and we can actually capitalise on, on him a little bit and put him under pressure. Where uh, international, if you don't have that, you've got literally four or five bowlers constantly at you. So it's always, it's always quite difficult. You're a big Spurs fan. Yeah. So we should really have a little conversation about that. Is that a West, that a West Ham fan down there? Wimby's a West Ham fan. I'm a Palace fan. <laughs> so you've got nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. <laughs> what's going on at Spurs? Are they going to, what's going to, this season got for them? I don't know. Oh, it's so frustrating. I've got a season ticket. I've not even been yet. That's how <laughs> frustrated I am with them. Um, it's, a, it's a situation where, I was a massive fan of Poch and there was someone that said, oh, that the biggest mistake Daniel Levy made was sacking Poch. I think the biggest mistake he actually made was not backing him um, because he basically, he saw this coming and he said it probably a good four or five years ago, this is what will happen. And he's called it absolutely right. Um, so from my point of view, we're in that sort of tricky situation where we win a couple and then we lose a couple um it's it's just i don't know it's just disappointing i was actually optimistic on the fact that i didn't have any sort of expectations for this year and yeah. then we started really well so i was like that's the best way to go and then obviously straight away you know we lost to palace 3-0 then chelsea 3-0 and it's just that the performances that have obviously been disappointing um and now that i think again one of our managers is favorite to get the second with the bookies so <laughs> Um, yeah, it's quite tough being still, a Spurs. still above Arsenal though only just yeah <laughs> they had a massive squad photo didn't they um, there's, there's been branding around a massive squad photo of all the management and staff and everything uh, it was a we're above Tottenham for once photo I think it, they called it <laughs> <laughs> it lasted about six days yeah. <laughs> And you leave Surrey in uh, in very rude health. I was looking around there the other night. I was uh, down there where my son was training and, um, you know, wandering around the Oval. It was a bizarre thing, pitch black and wandering around, just uh, nipping up onto the stands. And, and I mean, it's it's quite... With that new development of, um, uh, you know, next to the pavilion, what do they call it? This, um, what's One it? Oval Square. One Oval Square. Uh, and I can remember the first time I went to the Oval uh, was in... My dad took me in 1980... Um, to watching the West Indies. And it, it always strikes me how different it is now to what it was then, that it was a much bigger pit. It's the playing area to me that seems to be the biggest difference. It was massive. Um, but, I mean, now it's incredible. Yeah, so if back then, I remember, I can't remember what year, but I went to watch New Zealand, England, and he had the old Vauxhall end. It was just like a understand. Little- little stand with a roof, you know, you probably get like in non-league football. Which is like yeah. And then now you've got this amazing new OCS stand um, and brilliant views up there. And obviously the development now with One Oval Square where on that top roof bar, oh, it's amazing. The views up there are, are fantastic, not only down onto the pitch, but across London as well. So um, you got to say they, they do it really well there and, and do it right. And a, a fantastic squad of players as well. And, and you know, there's a good mix of, uh, of experience and youth. Uh, and I think also importantly, sort of the middle band is quite strong now as well. And you've got people like CJ's come back and uh, our old friend Reese Topley, who's uh, born again since uh, all of his injury problems. Um, you know, it does look to be, uh, you know, I would imagine Surrey be pushing hard next year. 
They should be. Um, you know, if you look at the, the squad that we've got, it's, I say we've got, but I'm a, I'm a fan as well. Um, it, it's that sort of mix, as you say, of youth and, and experience. Um, and I think that's always the key that you want your younger guys learning from your experienced guys. But also at the same point, your experienced guys can learn from the, the younger guys as well. Um, Jamie Smith, from my point of view, will be a name that you should definitely look out for in the future with, with England. What a cricketer he is, by the way. Um, and Paul will like this as well. He's a West Ham fan. That's the only problem he's got is he's a West Ham fan. <laughs> uh, season ticket holder there, I think he is as well. So, um, but what Sounds a like good lad. Um, but what a cricketer Um, and you've got so many like decent guys coming through Gus Atkinson will be a a really good all-rounder struggled a little bit with with, with injuries um, the last couple of years but again got pace um, an action that repeats itself can whack a cricket ball good fielder so again you know having looked at Surrey when I was away at Warwickshire, they've always got amazing talents. Can they, they sort of make it work and, and put all those pieces together as a, as a unit to, to win the trophies that they should be winning really. You've got a really solid old boys network there as well. Essex, you know, we've got, you know, the Graham Gooches, Ackfields, Fletchers, um, but Surrey similarly, you know, with Alex Stewart, sort of uh, director of cricket, but people like Butch, Ramps, um, I think that's important to have those kind of characters around the club just to, you know, give a bit of gravitas and, and an encouragement to, to the younger guys that are on the pitch. Well, I think you look at it from my point of view, it's people that understand the club and what the club is about. And that's so important because when you have the younger guys coming through, they would have had that through the youth system and sort of ingrained into them. Um, but then it's important that when you go into that professional uh, dressing room, you know that it's exactly the same values that you need. Um, and then the guys that come in from other other counties, they need to know what Surrey's about, what it means to wear the brown cap and the three feathers and why you're actually doing it. Because fundamentally, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, the badge on the front is always going to be there longer than the name on the back. So how can you with the name on the back, be the guy that actually leaves the club in a, in a better place when you, when you, uh, even move on or, in my case, retire. I quite like that. The, the badge on the front is longer there than the name on the back. Yeah, yeah that's, very, that's very all blacks, that is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's I think I got it from Brian Roberts, old Spurs captain. I think I got it from oh, him. I, can, oh, right. I reckon he got it from the all blacks. That's all they always say. Leave the shirt in it. Leave I'm going to go and scroll out of the British dressing room. There's a few people there who need to understand that. <laughs> <laughs> is there a, you, uh, sorry, did you ever... like? A, a cap presentation does that go down to county level as well as the international stuff yes so um we've had that sort of brought in over the last sort of few years where you know when you you make your debut and stuff you get a uh on a on a cap um and then then everyone when you're out on the field ready for warm-up someone will say a few words and uh, present you with with a cap um quite difficult to do sometimes you know with you're warming up and then you get a little tap. Can you say a few words? You're like, oh, I haven't prepared anything. So it's all, all off the top of the head. But now it's all, it, normally it's quite easy to do those sort of things because you're basically giving the person that's making a debut loads of, loads of confidence and letting them know that they've got the backing and the reason they're here is because they're good. Um, and then just letting them know how important it is, as, as I just mentioned, uh, to wear the free feathers and uh, the responsibilities that come with it. Right, um, we'll let you get on because I'm sure you've got homework to mark and uh, other stuff <laughs> like that. 
Um, just before you go, Ricky, um, just remind us again what your uh, benefit website is, please. It is clarkey2021.co.uk. Um, so, yeah, all the, all the sort of information there. I've got a wonderful committee um, involved, uh, Barry Kitchenside, who's been a part of Surrey for many years. He's my chairman. Um, a Crystal Palace fan. I think he's a board of directors at Crystal Palace as well. So we've got a couple of good links there. So, um, yeah, but he, he's been fantastic um, in basically organising everything for my testimonial and, and putting these events um, putting these events up and uh, hopefully we have a lot of fun um, uh, attending them. Yeah, it's a good point. And very important to mention your chairman and your committee because I get very upset if you don't give them a minute. <laughs> and it is, it yeah, is yeah, a yeah. lot of hard work. I, I know firsthand just uh, how much goes into these things. So, uh, yeah, we'll do our best to make sure that you get all the support that we can offer. Um, yeah, before you go, obviously I mentioned earlier that um, music is a big part of this show as well. So um, we would like from you, please, a musical request of uh, anything of your choice. I'll tell you what I'm going to go for, and it's, it's weird. So a few years back, um, my dad went to watch Chris Eubank fight at Tottenham. And Chris Eubank always used to come out to Simply the Best from Tina Turner. And I was watching the boxing the other night, and I don't know why, this is just coming to my head. I'm going to go for that. Tina Turner, Simply the Best. I reckon people might you know, have the old foot tap or something in the car and stuff uh, listening to it. <laughs> Excellent, John. Yeah, I remember. I remember when he used to do that. He used to leap over the rope, didn't he? Just for the right over moment, the rope and sort of yeah, wiggle and stuff, and yeah, <laughs> brilliant. All right, Ricky. Uh, many thanks for giving up your time and talking to us. It's been great fun, and uh, all the best with uh, the um, testimonial. I hope it all goes well and you raise lots of money. And uh, we shall be looking forward to catching up with you in the near future. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me.